0: Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. A hope-filled future. Can anybody say I need some hope today? Yeah, I mean we need some hope today. There are things that go on in our lives that can really steal our joy, steal our hope. Some of the things that people are struggling with today are the, the basics that everybody's struggling with today. COVID, the lockdowns, these types of things. The COVID, I said it. The COVID. It's like somebody saying the Google, the Facebook. Um, but the idea is we're also. but then there's, I know, I know that there's some people struggling today with other things too. That the difficulties would have been difficult in a regular time that they're struggling with, but the things that would normally be difficult have been enhanced and because of what we're going on in our, in our world politically, socially, pandemically. Psalm 23. Let's read it together. The Psalm of David. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, Lord, I ask you to just enlighten our hearts to your word today. As we look deeply at this two ver- these two verses really God I pray that you would help us to see what we haven't seen in the past that we would see just how much you love us how much we can trust in you we ask this all in Jesus name amen so the title of today's message is with us all the way With us all the way. Last week was above and beyond, and today is with us all the way. And we're going to be looking at two verses today, okay? Uh, Verse 3 and verse 4, but in reverse. And you're going to see why. Because verse 4b is very informative as to how we can live out verses 3 and 4a. Okay. Psalms 23, 4b. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When a shepherd went out into the field, he brought, he didn't bring a lot of stuff. He brought a, um, a minimum of equipment. One would be a rod. Okay. This is what we're talking about. A rod. Uh, and then the other one would be a staff. And then maybe a bag of essentials like Food for the day, water, and some first aid for the sheep and for himself. We talked about a little bit of sheep first aid last week. You anoint my head with oil, right? A little sheep first aid. So they would do these things. But I want to talk about these two items. These two items were essential, and I've, I've preached on this before. Every pastor, probably the first sermon they've ever preached in, in a church, usually is Psalms 23, it Just <laughs> and this is not easy Easy sermon to preach, but I want to go into a little bit on some of these items. The rod. The rod was carefully selected and sculpted. It was a tool that fitted perfectly into the shepherd's hand. It was from a sapling, and they would dig it out of the ground. It contained the root ball on the bottom of it, and then they would, they would um, polish it, sand it down, whittle it down so that there was a nice big... End of it, and they would polish that, and then they would they would actually um, carve a handhold into the into the grip so that it fit their hand, and it was kind of like a rite of passage for a young shepherd. go out and make your make your rod. It was that important of a tool, okay um, it was a symbol of you've made it, you've arrived, you're now you know, responsible enough to take care of the sheep. It was a sign of authority, power, and defense. It was used as a means of, first off, discipline. Philip Keller, the writer of the book, uh, The Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, tells us this. He was a shepherd, and he, he's seen this actually firsthand. If a sheep would begin to wander away for, on its own, approach a poisonous weed or get into some unseen danger of some kind, the rod would go whistling through the air and send that wayward sheep skittering back to the flock. They actually practice in in some uh, agricultural, uh, in in Africa, agricultural, agricultural, tough word, uh, areas, they actually use this as a sport, rod throwing. And these guys can throw, and they can hit targets from a long distance away. They're that accurate. They know what they're doing with this thing. Um, So if a a lamb or a sheep would kind of get off where they're not supposed to be, and it would scare them back to where they were supposed to be. It was a point of discipline. It was also used to set boundaries within the grazing area. This is your grazing area, I have made it for you. It's beautiful, it's lush, it's green. Why are you eating the weeds, you dumb sheep? Those are poisonous. They're going to give you stomach problems. Stay away from it. Oh no! Uh, and I and I, I think it's important because it was it was a piece uh, of equipment used to discipline and to. Um, help the sheep learn that there are boundaries. Ever have a neighbor or something like that who um, has one of those dogs that just won't won't stay? Stay. No, I won't. And what they're going to do is they're either going to put up a, a big fence, but if they opt not to have that as their focal point in their front yard, they will get a what we call an electric fence. And every single time that dog gets a little wayward, he gets a <laughs> There was this guy on um on YouTube who tested the dog collar. He wanted to see how how, how hard it was, because he was you know was concerned. So he it's <laughs> just made for dogs, okay, not for humans. So he put the thing on his neck and he walked. up, ah! <laughs> and he, he's like, well, "That was way worse than I thought it was gonna be." Um, and then they also had the barking ones, which I think is just cruel. But the other, he, same guy tried that one, which is he gets paid to induce pain on himself. Isn't that the world we live in? YouTube is so stupid. All right, um, but it, but before but before the dog learns. You're going to walk past that yard, and what are you going to see in the front yard? A bunch of little flags. A bunch of little flags. Little warnings, visual warnings that will bring to mind the physical (laughs) warnings that this is your boundary. Outside of that boundary lives danger. Cars are outside that boundary. Being lost is outside that boundary. Things like that. So it's the same type of thing with the shepherd. The shepherd sets boundaries and sometimes he has to lay down the rod. Let the electric fence do its thing. Discipline is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's important. There needs to be a level of... Okay, we got that. Another use for the rod within the shepherd's hand was for counting and examining. In the Old Testament, this was called passing. We called it under the rod. They would have a place in time where they would, they would corral the sheep through a pen, and the, one at a time, the sheep would go underneath the shepherd's rod, it's not just like passing underneath it. What it means to go underneath the rod is that the shepherd would take his rod, and with the with the pointy end, he would start picking through the sheep's hair, fur, wool, wool, yeah, start picking through the wool, and and he would he would he would pick it, and he would get down to the the skin, and he would pick it up so that over the eyes. And he would look at the health of the sheep's sheep's eyes. Because you can look really good on the outside. It's just wool. It was like a big cotton ball. I mean, I wouldn't know if a sheep was healthy or not, would you, Winslow? Would you know if a sheep was healthy? Like that big cotton ball looks good to me. I mean, how would we know? In fact, the fact of the matter is that most sheep look healthy because e- they could actually literally be emaciated underneath that blanket of wool. And unless you examine it carefully, you won't know because you're never going to see its ribs through the wool. You have to take that, that rod and you have to get in there and you have to pull that wool aside. and Oh, man, that, there's, the, there's, there's some sores on this sheep's. Skin, this is not a healthy sheep. And then you can take the measures needed to bring back health to that animal. Because I'm telling you guys, and and we're rife with it in the church. We can all look pretty good on the outside if we choose to. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are like whitewashed tombs. You look really good on the outside but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones. That examining rod is so important to our health and well-being. Psalms 139 23-24 says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way, everlasting. That is a morning meditation for me every single day. Before I crack this book in the morning, I pray that psalm. Think about it. Before you get into the word, you want want this word to to really do something for you? God, search me, know me. I'm submitting myself to you examine me, poke me, prod me, take away all the fluff. Take away it all. We can see clearly that the good shepherd's rod is, the rod is the word of God. It disciplines us, it gives us boundaries, and it exposes, right? Right? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through the divisions of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning through uh, thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's that rod prodding, looking through the fluff, the, 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 um, the vanity. I look, we're reading Ecclesiastes. We're going through Ecclesiastes on, on Wednesday nights. The vanity of our lives. The narcissism. And he just, he just, the word of God just cuts right through all that stuff. That's what I want, that's what I want my devotional life to be. I'm not punching, we don't want to punch the clock on our Devos, on our Bible study. We don't want to punch, the, well, I did it today. Isn't God so happy with me? I did a spiritual discipline today. Did it do anything for you? No, actually, I don't even know what I read. I was sleeping most of the time through it. I was thinking about something else. But I got through a whole chapter today. What did it say? I have no idea. You think that's funny? That's actually how mo- many Christians walk through their life because they feel like it's something that's like a thing they have to do. But it doesn't impact them at all. The word of God has got to be more than that. Finally, the word of God is the rod. The uh, rod. Uh, is the shepherd's main weapon of defense and a deterrent against anything that would attack. So first we have this idea that the rod is for boundaries, correction. Secondly, it's for inspection. And lastly, knowing the word of God is our defense and our offense. Prove it to you. Ephesians 6.17. And take the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. In our armor, in the armor of God, we get one offensive weapon. It's all we need. It's not like, oh man, I wish I had more. No, it's all you need. It's the word of God. That's all you need. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, Jesus himself, you'd think Jesus would just say like, Satan, I made you, get away. Get out of here. Or like, poof, you're done. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, he said things like this. Luke 4, 4, 8 and 12. And Jesus answered him, the devil, it is written. And Jesus answered him again, it is written. And Jesus answered him, it is said. Do you understand what that, the implications of that? The same tool that Jesus used to put the devil in his place is exactly what we have. You don't need anything else. It's exactly, we have the same tool, the tool of choice of the Son of God, you have. But you've got to know it. You've got to know it. What good is it? Because, I mean, honestly, as a sword, it's, I, have, I own a few swords, and honestly, as a, real, like as a, as a physical sword, you're probably going to get killed. It's not about having it. It's about knowing it. If you don't crack the book and, and absorb the truth, then you are a sitting duck like everybody else just because you own one or just because you came to church and you heard something sometime doesn't mean it's in you even a even a good swordsman has to practice you didn't know this about me many of you probably but for 3 years i took fencing not like building a fence Because if I took that for three years and I didn't know how to do it, then. No, like fencing, like sport fencing, like on God I could still do it. But I'll tell you, I was awful. <laughs> you put that thing in my hand and I'm like, uh, there's technique to it, there's footwork, it's really goofy looking. look like a total nerd, but it works as long as the other guy's using the same weapon, which I don't really know. Why would you just not get a bigger weapon? But But there's technique in using the sword. You can't just pick it up and think you're going to be a winner automatically. God wants us to know it. Okay, moving on. The staff. The rod and the staff. These things are the things that the... The, the the sheep of this story says they those things are comforting to me. What discipline is comforting? Yes. Inspection is comforting. Yeah, I bet it feels good on their back too. Very a good back scratch. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's comforting. Knowing that the shepherd knows how to wield it, very comforting. Now the staff is a different tool. It's used for different things. Typically, it's a it's a tool that is taller than the shepherd taller than the shepherd and it has some kind of uh, a, a crook on it or an angle on it depending on the region that you are living in and it is something that is molded it doesn't grow naturally that way it's molded to be the shape that it's supposed to be so what is the staff used for just as the rod is uh emblematic of the word of god the rod is the word of god the staff of god is symbolic of the Spirit of God. When you put together the Word of God and the Spirit of God, that is a comforting place to be. Ready? The staff is used to draw sheep together, to corral them, to bring them close. A shepherd would often use a staff to gently lift a wandering newborn lamb and place it back with its mother. In fact, the, the, the author of the book says they would do it so, like, skillfully. They just take the end of the thing, put it underneath the little lamps. It was like nothing. Was like you're flipping a burger, turning a pizza, and a pizza. I mean, it's like it was just. It was just done so so easily. After a while, he could use the staff to corral sheep into groups in order to better protect them from storms. Think about that for a second. If you have the sheep together, what happens? If you have them in a big a bunch, what happens? Penguins do this too. I don't know if you know that. Now you know what a penguin has in common with a sheep. You learn so much when you come to church. Sheep, will, uh, sheep are more secure in a group, right? They're warmer in a group, and the, the bat- battering of the wind doesn't affect them as much when they're together. Think about that as a metaphor for the church. They're less vulnerable in groups. They're less vulnerable in groups. A, a predator is much more likely. And in fact, this is, this is what they actually try to do. The pre- a predator, a wolf, or, or some kind of a predator will try to separate one of the weaker. And then that's when they get taken. Can we talk church metaphors for a second? The church is so vitally important. Not because you put your penance in there, or you, whatever you have to do, you, you, you check a box. It's because we're, we're better together. We're warmer. We can, we, (laughs) some of you guys, you keep this place too cold. Anyway, cuddle up. No, don't, COVID. Anyway, (laughs) we're we're more secure together. We can endure the storms of 2020 because we're together. It's only when we allow, and this is our fault we allow one of the younger or weaker of the flock get separated. I'm just going to encourage you today. If you see that somebody's not been here in a while and you know them, call them. You know what 2020 has done to the church? It's caused the weaker, the younger in the body to do what we call relapse. Twelve-step programs all over the country are saying this has been the worst thing for people who are addicted to whatever. It's it's, it's so sad because they need that. And, And we say they. Folks, we need that. We need one another. And we're going to be smart. We're going to be careful. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is this. If you see somebody fall off the the radar, they're, they're sitting ducks. They're sitting sheep out there. Call them. Try to get that, use that staff to gently pull them back. The staff is used to guide the sheep the shepherd could use his staff to guide the sheep by gently, listen to this, it doesn't take much because they trust him. They gently just put the end of the staff, the, the, the crook part, on the sheep's side, and that would be all it would take. All it would take. The scary thing for pastors is this. Many times, the shepherd would single out one of the lead sheep. And all he had to do was guide that one sheep and the rest of the flock would follow. We pastors gotta be make sure that we are letting the, the shepherd guide us. It's a burden, right, Rich? It's not easy. We gotta keep we gotta keep close enough to let that crook lay right on our sides so that we can help lead the rest of the flock. Sometimes I think I might need a little bit more pressure than get back in line, buddy. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The staff is used to guide. The spirit of God is used to guide. The staff is used to lift the sheep up. The shepherd would use the staff to rescue wandering sheep from dangerous Precipice that he might wander upon or a precarious position they stumbled into. Keller says this. I'm going to quote it. It was common to find a sheep stuck fast in a labyrinth of wild roses or brambles where they had to push in to find a few stray mouthfuls of green grass. I can't relate to that. I just, I just, I'm going to have seconds tonight. Oh, There's a little more over there. Come on, push myself through. You know, I can picture myself doing that as a sheep. But then they get in there, and the brambles and the thorns get stuck in their wool. Soon the thorns are so hooked into their wool, like Velcro, they could not possibly pull free, tug as they might. Only the use of the staff could free them from their entanglement. Psalms 23. Psalm 23, uh, 3B through 4A is the next section I want you to get into. So we got the rod and the staff. The reason I I flipped this today is because I want you to see those two tools that comfort. And then I want you to see that they are present with the shepherd all the way. Psalm 23, 3B 3B through 4A. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's got that staff. He's leading you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Fully equipped with the rod and the staff and a little bag full of medications and ointments, I can walk anywhere all the way and not be afraid. Keller continues by saying this, most of us do not want valleys in our lives. We we shrink from them with a sense of fear and foreboding. Yet in spite of our worst misgivings, God can bring great benefits and lasting benedictions to others through those valleys. Let us not always try to avoid the dark thing. The, dist- the distressing day. They may well prove to be the way of the greatest refreshment to ourselves and those around us. In the summer, in the heat of the summer. Sheep have a lot of wool. You know what they make coats out of? Wool. If you want a nice warm coat, you're going to get it lined with wool. So that doesn't go so well for the sheep in the summer. I mean, we don't wear wool coats in the summer. Why should they? But what would happen is that in in a certain time of the year, the shepherd would lead them to the high pastures. To the high pastures. And the fact of the matter is, the shepherd knew exactly where he was going. But those pastures often were on mountainsides. And you can't have a mountaintop without a valley. If you want to get to the mountaintops, you're going to have to prepare yourself to walk through some valleys. And that would be scary if it weren't for your Rambo shepherd, fully equipped with his rod and his staff we have to be willing to uh, we our perspective is so limited we're sheep so those valleys look huge the mountains the, the valleys look so dark and the, the what we don't realize is on top of that mountain it's sunny out it's beautiful we just can't see it yet cuz we're living or walking through the shadow of the mountain we're going to we're walking in the shadow of the mountain we're headed to. Do you hear me? And I'm not trying to minimize. So listen, there are real, you know, real evil in the world. I get that, and we may have to walk through our own valley of the shadow of death at some point. Like bad, bad stuff that happens. I get. It. I'm not just saying like you know you gotta you know work hard and stay faithful and someday you'll be on the mountain. Sometimes life hits unexpected. If we could rewrite that, it would be like, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and sometimes a boulder falls on me. You know those signs on the side of the road? You know, what is it called? Yeah, rocks fall, falling rock zone, or whatever they call those things. Don't walk here, you might get a boulder. Sometimes that happens. Even David, the author of this psalm, a man after God's own heart, knew what it was like to walk through the dark night of the soul. Psalm 42, 11. why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you tur- uh, in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. There's some perspective there. In order to get to the mountaintop where you're going, you have to pass through the shadow of that mountain. It's it's not easy. But the believer, like the psalmist, can find comfort. We know that God is with us in the valley. We don't need to get caught up in the endless anxiety and fear of that valley. Why? Why? Because the darkness is always scarier than the reality. Keep your eyes on that rod. Keep your eyes on that staff. I don't know if you know this, my wife works for the Disney Corporation. And uh, we've been to Disney a few times. And I always find it funny when there's like a tour group at Disney. Because the, you can always spot the tour guide, they have a little flag and it's up above everybody else, and they're just holding it, and there's a long, like, waddling ducks behind the tour guide. And they're following, they're keeping their eye on that flag, and I can just picture the kids, like, wanting to wander over here, and they're keep watch, keep your eye on the flag, you're going to get lost. If, if, we, if we focus on the darkness, it will consume us. But if we focus on the shepherd... We can have confidence that he knows where we're going, that he's been there. We can rely on him to, use, to see us through the good and the hard times. So, get close to the one who holds the rod and the staff. Keep your focus on him. All right, finally, Psalm 23, uh, 3a. And this is where I want to kind of come down today. He restores my soul. Get close to the one who holds the rod and the staff. This intimacy does not mean that we no longer face scary or painful valleys. But it acknowledges that God is with us in them. The shepherd's not like, I'm going to go up the high valley. I'll meet you there. That's not how it works. Hopefully you get there. I'll wait for you there. It's pretty nice up there. I want to get there quick. Good luck. That's not how it happens. He walks with it through us. Through us. Walks with us through it. Now, this is a very important thing, and I want you to just really grasp. This is why I want to come down on the end of this message with this idea. He will never lead us down a path that he has not gone down himself. In fact, it's precisely because he walked those paths that, can, that we can confidently agree with the psalmist that he restores our souls. Another Keller, not Philip Keller, but Tim Keller, wrote this, and I love it. Because Jesus came and had to thirst, our cups can be full. Because he was hungry, we can feast. And because, we have, because he was forsaken, grace and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. That's why we can trust, because of Jesus. If he hadn't come and walked in our shoes, Be a fearful place to live. But because he did, he has victory over it all. All of our comfort, all of our peace, all of our spiritual sustenance is available because of Jesus. By the Holy Spirit, we can live in fullness of this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not Not now. Not ever. Somebody say glory to God. Not now, not ever. It matters who's walking through the valley with you. It matters. I don't want to go somewhere scary with a guide who's never been there before. With a guide who's gonna run away at the first sign of danger. A guide who doesn't know how to use the tools of his trade. But with a guide who's been there before, knows where I'm going, knows how to defend me, knows how to use the tool of his trade. In other words, a good shepherd. I can live in confidence knowing that he's with me, he restores our soul because he is and always will be the good shepherd. Maybe you're going through a valley today. It's very possible. I have to kind of go back to the first week. First off, is the Lord your shepherd? Remember what I talked about the very first week? If, if the Lord is not your shepherd, all this stuff is not for you. You can't have that confidence. You can't, you're, you're following a guide that is actually going to lead you into dark places. Actually, he's actually separating you from the herd so that he may devour you. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a false guy. He is a fraud. You cannot expect good things. But if the Lord is your shepherd, this whole chapter is for you. And it should make a difference in your life. It should make a difference in my life. It should inform how I go through dark times. I want to get so close to that shepherd, I want to be the first one in the flock to see that high pasture I trust him huh? I don't even have to know the details you know well, I don't know Looks pretty dark down there what do you think he can take it to the left he can take it to the right I don't care I'm going to stay on his heels I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to go I want to be the one he's rubbing that little you know, the crook of his staff on hey Dave Oh, good boy. Stand right with me. Good job. How do we lead these guys up to pasture? You don't know where we're going, but it's awesome. Trust me. Oh, I do. I trust you. I'll we'll follow you like the dumbest sheep in the world. I'm just going to go. Totally trusting, totally in the care of the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't have to feel evil because he's with me and I'm with him. That's another part. And I'm with him. His rod, his staff, they're a comfort to me. His word, his Holy Spirit. And they can be for the church if we'll just allow it. Lord, I thank you for this day. A new day. A fresh day. A day where we can draw closer to you. Maybe we've been sitting back in the pack. kind of start moving on up. Help us to get close to you, God. Help us to know what it looks like to be in complete comfort in the shadow, not only the, the valley of the shadow of the uh, the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, but to be in your shadow, the comfort of being in your shadow, that close. Lord, give us a renewed fervor for your word. And again, Lord, I ask that you help us to submit once again to a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. God, give us your anointing. Anoint our heads with oil. Search me and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me into the paths everlasting. Use that rod to just get in there and figure it out. Lord, we submit to your leadership, your guidance, and your protection. We ask this in Jesus' name. The name that is above all other things. Amen. Alright, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it. Ready? Go with God. Like literally go with him. Like stay a little close to him. Alright? God bless you guys. Have a great week.